0: BYU's efforts in the transfer portal have already paid off with the commitment of Darius Lassiter. What does he mean to BYU as he comes in to join them ahead of their Big 12 entrance? We're talking about that and BYU tight ends ahead on today's show. You are Locked On Cougars, your daily podcast on the BYU Cougars. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? I'm Jake Hatch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, resident BYU insider. Thank you for being an every day and making this your first listen of the day whenever you're listening and or watching it. Appreciate you guys being a part of the Locked On Cougars community. We're very proud to be part of the Locked On Podcast Network. The motto is your team every day, and as such, we are your only daily podcast focused on all things BYU. All right, diving right in on today's show. The bad news came earlier this week with Cody Epps deciding to enter the NCAA transfer portal, but hey, good news Tuesday. Uh, Darius Lasseter, who took an official visit to BYU over the weekend, officially announcing that he is going to commit, and he has committed, I guess I should say, to the BYU football program, a transfer who played one season for Eastern Michigan University this past year had pretty modest stats by all accounts uh, during his time with the Eagles: 40 receptions, 471 yards, an average of 11.8 yards per reception, four touchdowns, and a season-long of 45 yards. Uh, EMU more of a run-oriented offense, a little bit interesting how they run things out there. They have a very unique field as well. If you've never seen an EMU game, uh, you may want, may not, uh, we well, may need some, uh, I guess, advice to not just your television set. They actually play on a gray field and it makes you think when you're watching on TV that your TV color is just kind of completely haywire. It's kind of funny that way. Uh, the only reason I know that is because I am a college football junkie and I watch Maction midweek uh, throughout the entirety of the college football season. But that's an aside. I really like this pickup because I think stats wise he approached exactly what Cody Epps uh, gave to BYU this past season and the thought is that he, with him having two years of eligibility remaining he should come in and offer some more to BYU. BYU. The nice part is he's got plenty of playing experience. You may hear me say one season at EMU and say, well, how young is he? He's actually not that young. He is officially going to be a a redshirt junior, if if I'm not mistaken, with two years of eligibility when he joins BYU, but before his time at EMU, he actually played for a time, actually three seasons in all for Butler Junior College, Butler uh, Community Junior College, Butler Community College, man, if I can get the right terminology there. He had uh, 17 games and logged 51 receptions for an Average of 18.1 yards per catch over those three seasons, the first of which he redshirted. It was a COVID year, so it didn't count at all. 924 yards during that time on those 51 receptions and 13 touchdowns. This is a guy who knows how to get in the end zone, and the nice part is he's got good size on him as well. Six foot three, 200 pounds. He would dwarf Cody Epps, and I'm, I'm not trying to bag on Cody Epps, but he comes in and adds to an already pretty big BYU wide receiving core. Because you think about it, they've got Keanu Hill, who is more of a Neil Powell type, six foot four, 200 plus pounds. Uh, Chase Roberts a little skinnier, but still plenty tall in his own right. I think they list him at six, four as well. And he uh, probably weighs in about 200 on the dot. And now Darius Lassiter comes in and fills in a very uh, a very nice hole in BYU's wide receiving core. And the good news is BYU still has a number of offers. We recapped them yesterday. Those of you who join us every single day know exactly what I think of all the seven other guys BYU has offered so far in the transfer portal. And they actually added one more that we'll talk about here in just a moment. But uh, it's really nice to see BYU not sitting back. They're being very aggressive. By all accounts, Darius Lassiter enjoyed his visit to BYU I said if I get it right this time I'm lit for life is the uh, is the terminology he used when he announced his commitment to BYU and it's going to be interesting to see how he fits in, but the nice part is he fills a hole immediately after the departure of Cody Epps and should uh, fit in quite nicely to BYU's offense. Is he going to fit that uh, the role that Cody Epps played as a kind of a slot receiver? No, I don't necessarily think he will, because I think that's going to go more to a guy like Parker Kingston who has been working diligently in the program. Parker had a fantastic start to spring ball this year before breaking his hand, and he's expected, if he's not already, I'm sure, to be cleared and should be resuming workouts very shortly. He never stopped working out in the weight room and the like. He actually had a splint on his hand uh, for parts of the tail end of BYU spring ball and we actually saw him in pads out there doing what he could kind of catching balls with one hand, going through drills, getting those mental reps as they call him. So, as they call them, excuse me. And that that is going to lend itself to a guy like Darius Lassiter be able to come in and immediately impact the BYU football program and this is I think a a savvy, savvy pickup for BYU as they move forward here uh, trying to rebuild this wide receiving core. I think now you have a very clear are probably top four or five, obviously headlined by Keanu Hill and Chase Roberts. I'd insert uh, Parker Kingston as number three there, and then Darius Lasseter at number four. And then probably the five, six guys right now are Koa Eldridge, and I'd probably give the nod to a guy like Dom Henry. And I know Hobbs Nyberg had some moments during uh, spring ball as well, and he's probably running a little bit behind, but there, there are options on the roster. But BYU knows that they need to find more scholarship caliber guys to bring into the Uh, offense, obviously at the wide receiver position, to give Keaton Slovis as many opportunities to find big plays down the field. This is a guy, speaking of Keaton Slovis, there's one thing I know he can do. He's not afraid to sling it downfield. And he absolutely, if a guy is, if he feels like he's capable of making the pass, he will absolutely go after it and make sure that that player has an opportunity to go out and make a play for this BYU offense. So, like I said, I'm bullish on his ability, speaking of Darius Lasseter, to come in and impact the BYU football program. I'm sure that he looked at the situation with Cody Epps leaving and said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to jump right in, and I'm going to go and fill that hole for BYU and get more playing time. The hope is with extended playing time and a bigger uh, realm, what am I going to say, a bigger emphasis on the pass in BYU's offense than what was shown at EMU, this should give him an opportunity to showcase more of his skills. I will give a tip of the cap also to Mitch Harper, my compatriot over at the KSL Sports Zone. Uh, he mentions this. Darius Lassiter comes to BYU with strong ties to the Big 12. He played his high school ball in Lawrence, Kansas. His father, Kwame, was an all-Big 8 defensive back at Kansas for the Jayhawks and played a decade in the NFL, tallying 25 interceptions during his time as an NFL defensive back. His older brother, Kwame the second played wide receiver at Kansas and is currently with the Cincinnati Bengals. And as it, as fate would have it, BYU's first Big 12 playing at Kansas on September 23rd, which I am planning on being in attendance at. Uh, I'm very much looking forward to that, but that just kind of adds another kind of... I guess a tidbit to all this conversation when it comes uh, to BYU rebuilding this wide receiving core. So overall, I I am pleased with the pickup. I do think that BYU will continue to uh, work the portal, try and find as many options as they can out there to give them the best opportunity to have success on offense. I am bullish early on about BYU and where things stand right now uh, for their offense. But the the thing is that BYU has to continue to uh, go out and find guys. There are a number of guys they've already offered when it comes, to the uh, NCAA transfer portal that I think could be very nice additions to this wide receiving core and we'll find out if they're actually able to uh, capitalize on some of the offers they have thrown out there. Maybe some of them were guys that were contingent saying, hey, we're going to give you this offer, but it's contingent maybe upon you accepting it very quickly or coming on a visit. There are so many different things that go into this conversation when it comes to finding the right guys uh, to come in and play for BYU. They obviously have to deal with the honor code. There's academic requirements. BYU and Kalani Sitake are very big on the culture they've established during his time there. So that's the other thing about this is they're going to be very, very thorough in vetting any and all additions to this BYU football program. And I, for one, I'm, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what uh, can happen here for the Cougars as they move forward uh, into the Big 12 era. But Darius Lassiter, I guess I'll uh, first off just say, hey, congratulations and welcome to BYU as a public uh, welcome to that young man coming into the BYU football program. All right, coming up here in just a minute. I I have been promising this since late last week. We're going to have a conversation about BYU's tight ends. It's the only position group we have not talked about coming out of spring ball. My uh, thoughts on what I thought about them going into spring versus coming out and also later on in the show, an exclusive conversation with Ethan Erickson, a guy who's expected to take on a bigger role for BYU this year. Uh, Hopefully, with more health, we'll talk about uh, what he can offer to BYU and what he expects to do in a BYU uniform as today should today's show progresses. That's all coming up here in just a moment. First, a word on our friends over at Built Bar. You guys know I am a big fan of these things. If you're looking for a delicious snack but don't want all the sugar and calories in your typical snacks, that is where Built Bar comes in, my friend, because they are the best tasting protein bars ever. You got to try it. I I promise you guys will enjoy them. They're healthy. They taste amazing. They're covered in 100% real chocolate. I cannot recommend them enough. They've been a big part of me uh, getting healthier over the last two plus years or so. Uh, Any of you who know me, I know that even offline, when I'm not doing this podcast, I crow about how much I enjoy them. Funny enough, I just got off the golf course before recording this podcast. I had to record it a little bit early, so got done golfing, got home, actually grabbed a built Bar on my way down to my studio to record, and very much enjoyed that treat. It was a grasshopper cookie flavor. It's one of my favorites. The best part is the macros on these things are absolutely insane. 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 17 grams of protein. It's a whopping 17 grams of protein packed into each one of these bars. So get to your local Smith's and or Sam's Club today. You can pick them up in person today or you can go to built.com and place your order there if you don't mind waiting uh, on the shipping while you're on built.com you can save 15% on your order by using the promo code LOCKEDON15 that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N get 15% off your order or if you need them right now like I said stop at your local Smith's and or Sam's Club today and pick them up Uh, get get enjoying the best tasting protein bars and do it with our friends at Built Bar. Thank you once again for making Locked on Cougars your first listen every single day, my friend. Every day or tomorrow on the show, uh, we are hoping uh, to have a special guest on the podcast. Actually, I've got, I've got some multiple irons in the fire. I could go one of two ways. One could be former players talking about NIL and the impact of Cody Epps leaving the BYU football program. Or the other uh, could be a conversation introducing you uh, more fully to what to expect from Baylor this coming season. So... It's going one way or the other. It depends on how scheduling works out. One of them will probably come on our Thursday edition of the show, and then the next one will probably come on Friday. But get excited for that. Uh, It does mean we may have to move uh, the mailbag edition of this week's podcast. So apologies for that if you were looking forward to that on Thursday. But just giving a little bit of a heads up. All right, time now to talk about BYU's tight ends. Now, we've talked a lot about wide receivers this week and BYU's need to bolster the wide receiver position. One thing I think has been overlooked in all this conversation and all the hubbub over Cody Epps leaving the BYU Football program is the fact that BYU's tight ends can and should take on a bigger role in the passing game this year. Jaron Hall, for whatever reason, and I, I don't necessarily uh, prescribe to or I, I don't believe that I am uh, well uh, vetted to, to talk about this directly, for whatever reason, targeting the tight end was just not part of his strengths. Zach Wilson. Complete opposite. He made Isaac Rex look absolutely insane during that 2020 season. Many of you will recall that. But during the last two years with Jaron Hall under center for BYU, for whatever reason, the tight ends just were not targeted a lot, especially across the middle of the field. Does there a glaring hole in Jaron Hall's vision when it comes to looking for the tight ends? I don't know. But the hope is that Keaton Slovis will be able to find Isaac Rex more often. Now, Keaton has been very effusive in his praise about Isaac Rex in particular, saying that he was hoping he was going to go down and work out with him in California with John Beck. we said he's got daddy duty. Uh, Isaac just recently uh, welcomed his first child into the world, so congratulations to the Rex family on that. But he is a guy that has been brought up time and time again, and for good reason. Isaac played at maybe, I would guess, 70% 70% last year, and he, he struggled all season long. Many of you will recall this. He scored a number of touchdowns. He actually was second on the team in touchdown receptions, but he just never looked quite right. And it's probably because of the fact that he had a bunch of hardware, a bunch of metal pins and plates and all that type of stuff in his surgically repaired ankle. He had to undergo multiple surger- surgeries, as he mentioned, for a compound dislocation of his ankle in that USC game at the tail end of the 2021 season. He battled back. He never complained. He just continued to work and work and work, to get himself back into shape to at least play last season. So many... People on BYU and I had conversations with multiple individuals in the lead up to that season that thought, "Hey, if he gets back at any point in the season, it's gravy." What does he do? He's there for the entirety of training camp. He goes throughout the entire season and never complained. You could tell he was hurting at multiple points. We'd see him uh, during practices, during training camp, seemingly hobbling around. But when the snap, uh, when the uh, snap was, when the snap happened, it seemed like he was uh, battling through everything and just kind of forgot it and went out and made plays. He had all that hardware taken out of his ankle earlier this off season and I got to say Night and day difference in terms of his ability to move, run, etc., jump, cut, all that type of stuff during spring ball. That pretends to me that Isaac Rex, the elk himself, should have a bounce back season this year, and that should obviously help take some of the strain off of BYU's rebuilt wide receiving core. A guy like Isaac Rex is an NFL caliber tight end when he's at his absolute best. Six foot six, 260 pounds, strong as an ox, has a very adept ability to block when called upon, but also very soft hands and actually is surprisingly nimble and fast for as big as he is he he's like I don't know how to describe it properly. He is an incredible, incredible athlete. Does not get his due, I don't think, necessarily when it comes to the tight end position. Right behind him is a guy we're going to hear from here in just a minute is Ethan Erickson, six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds. He's kind of the next guy uh, after Isaac Rex, I think, is going to be the one-two tandem at tight end this year for BYU. Ethan changed his number from ninety-seven to eighty-seven this year. You'll hear him explain why here in a moment, but uh, he's got all the ability if he stays healthy this year to be a breakout star. The coaches love Ethan Erickson's ability. He is actually a more pure pass catcher than I think almost any other tight end on this list. And that may also outdo a guy like Isaac Rex and Isaac has got incredible hands. So, you got to uh, have some uh, hope there. The other thing about this is, is they had uh, a little bit of a sensation in Anthony Olson during, uh, tra- uh, not during training camp, during spring ball. Many of you will recall that sidearm pass I think uh, it was Jake Retzloff, that uh, number 85 caught with one hand and hauled in. That's Anthony Olson. He's a preferred walk on who comes from Olympus High School. BYU actually flipped him late in the recruiting uh, sphere to come to BYU. He redshirted and was on the scout team last year. But in spring ball, very impressed with him. He's got a great body. They list him at 6'4, two. 235 pounds, and his frame looks like he can adapt uh, to more weight if needed, but he's a very uh, nice uh, player, I think. He's a basketball guy who uh, grew up playing hoops, but has translated that to the football field, and I'm really, really intrigued by him and to see what he might be able to offer down the road here. Now, the other name that I'm interested in, because he is a guy that during the recruiting uh, era of his high school days, I uh, had an injury that really knocked down a lot of the interest he had, but he was a three-star prospect, but is now a walk-on with BYU as Nason Coleman. Now, he's a freshman from Chandler, Arizona, Chandler High School, one of the powerhouses down there in the Arizona prep ranks. I think a guy like Mason Coleman is probably a developmental guy, but he showed some things during spring ball that made you think, okay, there is skill there. He's not the tallest wide receiver. They actually list him at 6'3", and he might not be much taller than 6'2", but regardless, he's got nice receiving ability, and as a walk-on, he's a low-risk, potential high-reward type guy if he lives up to his billing. They also list uh, both Mason Wake and Mason Fakahua, both Masons who will play more of that H-back slash fullback slash whatever role you want them to play uh, also are listed at tight end. And both of them bring different skill sets. Airway, as we all know, Mason is a guy who is not afraid to jump over dudes. Uh, he is slimmed down. He looked far uh, less... Um, what do I say? how do I say this properly he looked uh, far less uh, I don't know how to say this I'm, I'm screwing up the terminology in my head but he slimmed down and he looked like a, uh, like he was uh, fitting better into BYU's offense at the slimmed down weight he was playing at. They list him at 6'1", 260 there's no way he's 260 right now uh, he has obviously slimmed down from that 260 mark, that's probably from last year's roster, just kind of carried over to this year but Mason Fakahua, who has played some tailback for BYU during his time as a Cougar, has now bulked up, as they listed at two, two 240 pounds, and they really like his receiving ability. He is more suited for what uh, Mason Wake does, where he's a blocking back when called upon. He can go out as kind of that split end uh, for BYU and some of the run packages. Uh, can really come downhill and really devastate oncoming linebackers on poles and that type of stuff. That's what I like about both of these guys. They offer the receiving element, but at the same time, if you need them to play that quote-unquote true fullback, they're not afraid to put their hat in there and absolutely get after it. Mason is a guy that I actually expected uh, my Explore the NFL after this past season. It's good to have him back for a quote unquote super senior season. And I would assume uh, that he is expecting to take on a huge role this year for BYU. And the nice part is, Mason proved at the tail end of the 2021, as well as parts of last season, that he's more than capable, capable despite standing just six foot, six foot one, that he can play actually the true tight end position. BYU threw him out there when Isaac Rex got hurt against uh, USC. I'm, I apologize. My nose is running a little bit here. So uh, apologies for that. But he, he mentioned mentioned uh, that the coaches mentioned that when they put him in there they had no idea he had never practiced in that uh, what they call their y tight end or their uh, their inline tight end which is more of what Isaac Rex and Ethan Erickson play during that game against USC and they weren't sure how Mason was going to do it do it do in that role And he did swimmingly. He did fantastic. And they realized, hey, this guy is more and more of a weapon than we ever could have thought he was. And I would assume that he's slimmed down a little bit and looks like a better athlete overall. I guess probably that's probably what I should, should have said earlier about him. I think you can expect that he will take on a bigger role for BYU this year, even more so than he already has. He will continue to leap over dudes. He will continue to put his shoulder down on guys and run dudes over, but the nice part is Mason has really become a multifaceted athlete. I think of him, and if you're a San Francisco 49ers fan or if you watch the 49ers, you'll know the name Kyle Juszczyk. Uh, he's a fullback is what they list him at, but he plays tight end. He plays H-back. He does play fullback in rundowns, that type of stuff. Mason Wake is BYU's version of uh, Kyle Juszczyk and expect to see number 13 lining up all over the football field. So my overall uh, takeaway from BYU's tight end unit is just simply due to what I saw from these tight ends, despite it being thinned out due to some uh, medical retirements and guys moving on. It's actually a really nice unit, I think, overall. Isaac Rex, Ethan Erickson will be your true tight ends, one-two combo for BYU. But you also can throw a guy like Mason Wake, Mason Fakahua, and even a guy like Anthony Olsen out there in spot duty. I expect that the top three will obviously be Mason Wake, uh, Erickson, and Rex as your top three uh, guys at the tight end position, depending on the role that's being asked or the play call, the formation that's out there on the football field. But you will not see much of a drop-off, if any. And my stock is very, very much up on this tight end position coming out of spring. Ball, and I think that could take some of the strain. If they can live up to their billing, and a guy like Keaton Slovis can find them more often, that will take some of the, the pressure off this wide receiving core that's being rebuilt on the fly and put a little more on the tight ends, which I I guarantee you, tight ends, they love blocking. Trust me, they've signed up for it, but they love nothing more than catching that ball and scoring touchdowns. So if you can deliver the ball to them uh, more often than it has in the last two years, that's going to make the tight end unit all the more effective and obviously help out BYU's offense as a whole. All right, coming up here in a minute, as promised, Ethan Erickson had a great conversation with him that we will get to momentarily right here on the Locked on Cougars podcast. Thank you once again for making Locked On Cougars your first listen of the day. I appreciate you guys making it a part of your routine whenever you listen to it. Uh, we have a number of options out there when it comes to your podcast, but thank you to the thousands of you who tune in via YouTube. Also to the thousands of you who listen to us uh, via regular podcast means. You guys are absolutely awesome. We actually, uh, for an off-season month, which is what we call the month of April, May, June, uh, they're called our off-season months, we actually set a record for overall a number of listeners uh, last season on our regular podcast feeds. YouTube can... Continues to grow every single month. YouTube continues like to reset and reset uh, and reset the record almost every month. It feels like for subscribers, views, all that type of stuff. But in terms of our overall uh, podcast listening audience, uh, we've been established on uh, Apple and Stitcher and Spotify and Google Podcasts for years now. We're going on. We're in year five of this venture, and you guys set a record for the month of April alone last month. So thank you for the support. Thank you for checking us out. All right. Time now to let you hear from Ethan Erickson. Had a great chat with him, had uh, a lot to say about his health status, what he hopes to accomplish, uh, what he takes away from spring ball heading into the summer and obviously on into training camp. So without further ado, Ethan Erickson right here on the Locked On Cougars podcast. You haven't participated a lot in spring ball, but what do you feel like you've accomplished in spring?
1: Um, So my biggest goal going into this spring was just building a relationship with the teammates around me Mm -hmm. Um, because eventually I want to be a leader of this team. Uh, That's my goal. It should be everybody's goal. And so because I've, I've only been able to do so much, uh, I really take time in, in meetings and in workouts to, to connect with those around me so they can, like if they have questions about things, they can turn to me and, uh, and kind of lean on me a little bit. Because I've been here for, I mean, this my, going into my third year. So I've kind of been around a little bit. Um, and so I'm hoping that, or what I was hoping from this spring ball was that I could just build that trust, build that uh, communication and relationship with those around me. Um, and I feel like I did that pretty well.
0: I think most people point to Isaac Rex and then you as kind of the top two at tight yep. end. And you mentioned how like, you've been here for three years. Do you feel like you're finally stepping into that leadership slash mentor role?
1: Yeah, it's definitely <clears throat> it's definitely been hard. Uh, I mean, Isaac's just such a great tight end. Yeah. Like, every, like, he's got that poise just in his pass, pro, mm-hmm. And then his route running looks so effortless. Uh, and so it's really, really hard choose to fill. Um, I feel like I'm not there yet, but I'm definitely closer than I was you know, a year ago, two years ago. Uh, and it's just kind of just percent better every day, uh, trying to trying to fill those fill those shoes of his because he's he's definitely left the mark on this
0: school. Okay, here's the thing. There's there's a fan run thing where they call him the Elk out there. Yeah, and I've heard of that. Is that do the do you, do you as teammates <laughs> no. get on him about that? Okay. <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think we saw it. It's like his deep blue. Like he was watching fil- like a film breakdown or something. Yeah. He was we- like someone's wearing a moose t-shirt or an elk t-shirt. Elk t-shirt, yeah. And so we're all like looking, we're like, what the heck is this? So finally like we're talking to Isaac about him. We, get, like, we don't give him a hard time like just joking around with him but, Yeah, I don't think calls him that.
0: I just I had to because I actually had a buddy of mine who I think originally coined it, so it's just yeah. one of those funny things that still exists out there every time yeah. it seems like he gets mentioned, somebody inevitably on social media will oh, grab yeah. an elk like Jif and throw it up for yeah. him or whatever. I guess
1: definitely like he definitely owns that. Like if you if somebody posts that on Twitter, like you know it's talking about him.
0: Okay, from your perspective, how has fatherhood changed him?
1: I mean, it's only been a week. <laughs> I know. I know it's
0: been a short time.
1: But. Yeah. Um, I can't really say that it has so far. Okay. Uh, I, I feel like he's probably got more mature. Okay. Um, but he's still. I mean, he's still goofy. He's still fun to be around. Still cares about all of us. Uh, I think he just kind of realized. I, I think it's helped him lock down a little bit more because he's, he's already, you know, been locked down. He's been that guy. But it kind of gave him a, a bigger purpose to mm-hmm. behind his lifting, behind his. Uh, practicing every day. Like, uh, cause he's got a son now.
0: Yeah. Did, did somebody force you to change your number out of the 90s or is that a personal No, decision? it was a personal choice.
1: So I was, in, I was 87 in high school. Okay. So you've been waiting on that number? I've been waiting on it. So Britt okay. Hogan was our long snapper. Yeah. So he, he finally, uh, last year's last year. And so I was like, oh, I got to <laughs> snag it before anybody else does. And I didn't expect to get it until spring or until fall camp. Uh-huh. And then talking to Josh Hart from guy, he was like, oh, yeah, I got you. I was like, oh, let's freaking go. Pull up my jersey first day, 87. I was like, oh i happy because I just got. They just gave me 97 when I got here. I didn't, oh, so, I didn't ask for so it wasn't it a request. It is just no. like
0: here's your number. You go for yeah, it. So yes, my,
1: my first year when I was red shooting, I mean I didn't really think I had a choice, so I yeah. just stuck with it. And then the second year I was like,
0: oh, I'm gonna try to own
1: it a little bit. And so, and then I realized 87 looks way cooler. <laughs> it's like it's got way more meaning to me because I grew up watching Gronk. Like, I was like sure. the guy that I like would just watch. He was my motivation. So 87 is kind of a important number to me
0: we well, kind of took a question away. i was going to ask you like who you pattern your game out. Is, is it gronk is so it, it the guy you look at it? it's really hard
1: because there's because gronk does something really well Something yeah. not yeah. as well mm-hmm. even the whole probably going on his best tight end of all time um mm-hmm. i patterned a lot after travis kelsey uh, with his route running abilities mm-hmm. and then george Kittle with his blocking that's kind of who i watch film on mm-hmm. um so, you know, it's, it's easy to just say those big things but then there's like tj hawkinson and darren waller like all these guys um, <clears throat> so i kind of just take bits and pieces from everyone that I like and think will make me a better player.
0: Who is, like well, I said, how is this question the right way? What is the best part about Coach Clark? Oh.
1: I could go on for 35 hours about this. <laughs> okay. That is, he's my, I, I absolutely love him with a passion. Everything about him, is yeah. how passionate he is. He, he's more happy for us on plays we do good than we are ourselves. Mm-hmm. And he'll coach us harder than we will ourselves. Like he He's there for, for everything. He cares about us more than just a, just a player like he, he treats us as his own children and I felt that as long as as long as I've known him I could feel that he just hundred percent cared about me he calls me makes sure I'm doing okay mm-hmm. um, like he really it's more than a game to him uh, and he he treats us all he says you know no judgment if things happen or however they turn out he's gonna love us regardless and that's the biggest thing is he loves us every day he tells us he loves us and like I become accustomed to telling
0: him I love him back because I, I really do He's not adverse to turning a phrase as I like to say like he's got some really fun ones when we talk with him in the media oh, Do you have a favorite? Oh. Or is there one that
1: comes to mind I guess? So he takes things from his old high school, his high school coach because yeah. he played he played like Provo High he,
0: He's mentioned to me that his high school coach is an inspiration and for him. So,
1: yeah, of and so he takes, the you know way he says here? Oh, okay. he, he says it normally the first time, he, like if he's like pointing at something, he's like, oh I hear it. He goes here and like oh. kind of like emphasizes a little bit. There. <laughs> That's all oh, shoot. Oh, I wish I could think about that one a little bit longer, but yeah, he's he's always pulling stuff. Like, oh yeah, my high school coach used to say, it, and it says most out of pocket thing.
0: Okay, I'm like, what high school is he yeah, old school, right? Yeah, old school. All right, um, last couple of things from me, but obviously you've been sitting out most of the spring, was ready yeah. to establish. But what do you feel like you need to work on most during the summer here, getting ready for for fall camp?
1: Um, everything. Uh, okay,
0: <laughs> so that's
1: okay. I uh, I really just want to grow and be better. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm only about. 238 right now, 240-ish. I want to get up to about 245, be like solid 245. Mm -hmm. Um, Obviously, I want to be healthy, so I want my hamstrings to get better. And then, um, four-fold camp, I want to be better at blocking. Uh, Just keep my hands tight, pad level, Mm -hmm. You know, feet running. Uh, I feel like a lot of times I stop on contact, and that's not what I want to do. I just want to run through a guy and put him on the ground. Uh, And then, obviously, route running, uh, I feel like it's it's one of my strong suits, Uh, but you can always be better. So I want to be uh, a more fluid route runner um, be have more fun off off the ball instead of being like kind of robotic which sure. I've, uh, I've come I've come some ways from doing thats It's kind of how a lot of guys you know when they get here uh, they're trying to remember the playbook trying to remember everything so it stops them from ble- being mm-hmm. the athletic fluid player they are yeah. and so i've been I've been working and continue to work on um, you know just completely knowing the playbook inside and out so that I can have fun and you know give some character and personality uh, in those routes that I'm running.
0: How excited are you to be part of the BYU team that's going to
1: be the first team in the Big 12? <sighs> um, it it, I still hasn't, like, hit me yet. It hasn't set in? Yeah. Because okay. yeah. <clears throat> the biggest stadium I've played in, because I didn't travel my redshirt year, okay. and then last year traveling, I can't even think where the biggest, the most intense stadium was, like, Oregon. Okay. And then we're going to go down and play, you know, Texas, TCU, mm-hmm. um, Texas Tech, mm-hmm. uh, West Virginia, like, all these schools that are, you know, big, loud, <laughs> Scary school, but I think I think we can handle. It. I'm, I'm I'm super excited. I think it's gonna be something something really fun. I'm looking forward to
0: it. There you go, Ethan Erickson. A big thank you to him for taking the time. And the hope is, yeah, that his health issues that kind of necessitated he take some time off during spring ball are obviously well behind him, and he will have a healthy training camp. And I, I honestly. Uh, the coaches have raved about his ability. Aaron Roderick has gone on the record multiple times uh, throughout uh, 2021 and 2022 saying that, hey, Ethan Erickson's kind of got next here at tight end for BYU. So do not be surprised. Number 87 kind of bursts onto the, the scene this fall and uh, turns some heads. You will know about that if you've been listening to this Locked On Cougars podcast because you, you'll have heard it here first. So a uh, big thank you uh, to Ethan Erickson once again for taking the time. Now, I I, I apologize. I meant to mention this earlier, but BYU has experienced a- Extended another offer in the transfer portal circuit uh, to Jade Walker. He is actually from Grand Valley State. And if I'm not mistaken, Grand Valley State, the Lakers are a Division II program. But this is a guy that's uh, interesting to me because he is a guy that's got great size. They list him on the GVSU website at four, 185 pounds. He is a sophomore uh, from Cleveland, Ohio. And the thing about this is his 2022 season actually had uh, some decent numbers. For, uh, but BYU apparently is betting on this guy being a bigger player this past Last season, in eleven games played, thirty receptions, six hundred and twenty-three yards, averaging an insane twenty point eight yards per carry on average. Uh, also scored four touchdowns uh, in twenty twenty-one. His first season with Grand Valley State saw action in six games, only two receptions for twenty-eight yards. So, uh, in many ways, this is as similar as we talked to you yesterday on the podcast of a guy that you're betting on, maybe bringing in and developing his talent while he's at BYU. You can't teach six foot four. That's the one thing about this. Is I trust Fessy Satake and Aaron Roderick. When it comes to doing their homework, they they watch hours and hours and hours of film, and if they think this guy can translate from, if I'm not mistaken, I think Grand Valley State is Division two to the FBS slash Power Five level. Who's to say that I'm wrong about that? It's a little bit of a of a of a crapshoot to give a guy like this the offer because he is jumping up multiple levels. But as I said, uh, the. I guess, what do I call it? the track record that Fessy Satake in particular has had in his development of his wide receivers during his time at BYU leads me to think that he sees something in this young man. And if he decides to pounce on the offer from BYU, who's to say that he could not be one of the next uh, guys to come out of that wide receiving core and make good on the bet on himself, having decided to transfer out of Grand Valley state. The other thing about this is he does have two years of eligibility remaining. So he is a guy similar uh, to some of these other wide receivers that are in the portal that has extended time that he could come in and develop and be a bigger partner. Part of BYU versus being there for just one season. And and that's it. It's a a one-shot deal for a guy like that. So some positive news on that front as well. And any other offers that continue to roll in throughout the week, of course, we'll have you covered right here on the podcast. So thank you once again for making us your first listen of the day. Hope you guys have had a fantastic day whenever you're listening and or watching us. As I mentioned, every day, make sure you join us tomorrow. Uh, I'm working on kind of going one of two ways here former player or we're taking a look at Baylor uh, with a special guest host on either one of those. So stay tuned for that tomorrow. Uh, We'll get to that. And obviously hope you guys have a fantastic day. Once again, whenever you hear and or watch this, hope you guys are all doing well. Once again. And of course we'll reconvene tomorrow right here on locked on Cougars. See ya.